Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. But Matthew, I am glad that you're, uh, you're coming into the show today from uh, from where Hugh Jackman was trapped in the film Prisoners. <laughs> and, and so, yes, it definitely looks like I'm a, I'm a hostage and I'm trapped. And there's so many other better backdrops that I could have had here, but literally none of them would have requ- would have been like, oh, quiet, where you could hear me and just, you know, I thought about doing it outdoors and I just, yeah. Welcome to my, welcome to my bunker. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Lawrence Jackson, Jay Croucher. No Matthew Berry. Matthew Berry, uh, it's his birthday. He did it, guys. He made it to 100 years old. Happy birthday, Matthew. As well as happy birthday, Miles Garrett, the birthday boys. Drink free here at yeah, the happy hour on Friday. Yeah, and a real right. special shout out to Miles Garrett, who clinched Defensive Player of the Year last night, Jay. Yeah, just about. I've always thought that uh, Matthew Barry is the better pass rusher and Miles Garrett the better fantasy analyst. Uh, but um, I'm look, I'm glad that Matthew's taking the day off for his birthday. I used to do that as well when I was seven. I was going to ask, were you allowed to do that when you were a kid? <laughs> yeah, when the first I was seven. Thing, the first thing <laughs> I, I thought was eight, of, I wasn't allowed anymore. When I found out he wasn't on the show today, I was like, oh man, that's, that was a thing you could do. I, I wasn't allowed to, but it's something you do when you're, you know, five you know, years old. So when when y'all dad, birth, when, you when, yeah when y'all birthdays come along you know you just got to you know come back to this day and just kind of shoot a little reminder hey remember on uh, December 29th when Matthew you were off uh, we we need to be off today fantasy you know, championship you know, weekend yeah. there's people out there in the world that are like I I need Matthew Berry more than ever and yes. he stuck the middle finger up to them and yes. said well have fun I'm on the beach yes instead he's in uh, his uh, his uh, prisoners like bunker yes yeah, which uh, he keeps inviting America into which is terrifying. He, he, he was looking like a hostage on that, uh, <laughs> but the good thing about that is, you know, he drinks free. So in his bunker, you know, he'll get the he'll get the little free drinks uh, served for him. We will FedEx him some margaritas here from the Happy Hour Bar. No Matthew, but Denny Carter. It's Friday. Denny Carter will be joining us later for the regression files and the funnel report. We don't usually <laughs> do the funnel report. We just say the word funnel seven hundred <laughs> times. So we'll actually talk about what the funnel report is today as well. As we do every Friday, we're going what's on tap up at the, the Bud Light Bar for the highest game totals. And Jay and Lawrence will give me pickup lines for yes. once. I don't have yeah. to cook them up. I actually get the pickup lines yeah. delivered to me. Well, me, me and Jay, are used, we're used to, you know, going against each other uh, every, every Sunday to try to woo uh, – Matthew Berry's fantasy football heart. So it'll be. In, I, I never got to do this on somebody else before, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, how, how this goes. Yes. Not and easy. 
And not to make things strange, but you are a lot prettier than Matthew, Connor, so I think my trigger <laughs> more is to better, yeah, some better line, be a little bit better. better line investigation. I love it. All right, <laughs> let's get into our Thursday night football fantasy takeaways. If you missed it, the Browns beat the – I certainly didn't miss it. The Browns beat the Jets 37-20 to last night. The Joe Flacco experience continues. Um, and some people, especially in Fantasy Championship Weekend, especially in Superflex Leagues, that's great news. For other people, I won't name oh. any. I won't name any names, but one of those oh. uh, happens to be his birthday today, and he's not on the show. Matthew Berry. Oh, the man dropped Joe Flacco, and he dropped Jerome Ford for his fantasy Ooh. championship in our league. That he's already angry about another situation. So yeah, this is a tough scene. It was a tough scene. It was a great text thread of uh, Matthew throwing the toys <laughs> yeah, out that, the that pram. Is, <laughs> that, that's went either going to be a championship move. Or a, or, or a chump move. Well, it's not off to a good start. Man, yep, he's punching the, air right now in that bunker. Yep, just the two touchdowns and 57 the, yards for Jerome Ford <laughs> yeah, through the see, air. Yeah. And then he added on the ground as well. I mean, I think the story of this, Connor, and uh, I was texting backup producer Pete about this last night, and I don't think you guys have this expression in America, but it's like the Jets, they down tools. They down tools for the season. They put the tools down, they went home, and uh, they just had nothing on defense. Nothing, nothing. In a game where, and I guess we'll get to it in a second, they responded to the first touchdown. Trevor Simeon goes unbelievable drive yeah. right down the field <laughs> against the Browns' defense, which is regarded as one of the best defenses in the league under Jim Schwartz, uh, and the Jets' defense just had no response throughout the game. So for the Browns, they clinched their third playoff berth since the 90s, since 1999, second in four years under Kevin Stefanski. Um, Cleveland clinches the one seed if this week the Dolphins beat the Ravens and next week the Browns beat the Bengals, the Bills beat the Dolphins, and the Steelers defeat the Ravens. So a lot needs to happen for them to get the one seed, but it's possible as we show you the AFC playoff picture here. And I think more interestingly in this, Jay, because the one seed feels like a long shot, but good for Brown, the Browns and their fans who are riding high after last night's game in this wild season. Kevin Stavansky joined Paul Brown as the only head coach in Brown's history with 10-plus wins in multiple seasons. I mean, this is somebody who is the favorite for coach of the year right now and maybe locked it up on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, I think this is a wrap. I don't see how Kevin Stefanski loses after this. The story of this season is so insane. They're the first team to ever start four quarterbacks, four different quarterbacks, and make the playoffs. Not only that, but they've clinched with a week to go. They're 11-5, and five, and it's not just the quarterbacks. They're missing their top three tackles. Not top two, top three tackles. They're missing both their starting safeties. They're banged up across on defense. Nick Chubb, That's might a be big the injury. Best, second best running back in the NFL. He went down in the first couple weeks of the season, so I just I don't think there is any case against Kevin Stefanski. He had his crowning moment, his coronation last night in prime time. I understand that Dan Campbell uh, with the Lions and their first division title in 30 years, Stike and McDaniel Ryan's are all having great seasons as well. But I think this is Stefanski. I think this is a wrap. I think minus 275 is value, honestly. Yeah, and I think when you look at Dan Campbell in comparison, we're looking at it from that point where it's like, oh, the Lions haven't done this in so long, but last season for the Lions with Dan Campbell like they were on the verge this was a team that knocked Green Bay out the playoffs many people came into this season expecting the Lions to win this division now the Browns on the other hand with Deshaun Watson they they were expected to be competitive um but many people thought it would be either the Ravens or the Bengals so now you 
eliminate the Deshaun Watson, the Nick Chubb, and like you say, missing the linemen and all these players. The defense is held strong, but they just figured out a way. And it's like it, when we when we had the screen up there earlier, there was three teams that clinched the playoffs, the Dolphins, Ravens, and Browns. That's crazy to see knowing that the Chiefs and the Bills are out there and have not clinched. So to your point, Jay, I think he just locked it up. Yeah, I think it's fine. Just quickly on Dan Campbell. I think Dan Campbell's a really good coach. I think that if you want to have him top three, top five coach of the year, that's absolutely fine. But his case for coach of the year is that the Lions sucked for the 28 years before he got there. Right. Like, he doesn't actually he doesn't have anything to do with the fact that the Lions were terrible before he got there. And yes, he's built this program up and he's done a great job. But for me, his season this year, this is linear improvement for the Lions. They won nine games and now they're probably going to win 12. Right, I think that's the key there, Jay, is that if you say Dan Campbell's the coach of the year, you're rewarding a rebuild. That's an amazing rebuild. When yeah, he got right, there to right. the Lions, I mean, it felt like they were hopeless. Obviously, there's been so much wrong for them for a long time. What him and Brad Holmes have done to rebuild them over a stretch of years is great. If you look at Coach of the Year as what happened this season and you think of adversity and adjusting and all of those things, Kevin Stefanski is the absolute model of that with the adjustments they've had to make. And those adjustments they've had to make have been on the back, literally, of Joe Flacco and another wild game for Joe Flacco. I think the Jets hadn't allowed a 300-yard passer in like over 30 games. Obviously, yeah. Joe Flacco's the guy to break that. And we got to hear from Flacco after the game on the crowd chanting his name. Yeah, I heard him a little bit, yeah. What did you think? Yeah, it's, it's cool. I mean, just put yourself in that position. I mean, you can't deny it. It, it, it was, it's, it, it's, you know, it, it's, I said it from the very beginning. I mean, the city has been unbelievable. Um, our, my teammates have been unbelievable, like in, in terms of just embracing me onto this football team. So uh, it's all been great. And it, it makes it that much more special to, you know, be able to come in here and, and play some good football. Four straight games for Joe Flacco of 300-plus passing yards last night, three touchdowns. As he does, Lawrence, he throws a pick. And we were joking <laughs> yeah. off air that it yeah. could have been three more. Could have been. But it, Flacco's going to keep ripping that thing, man. He's you, just you, he's you letting know, it go. He, he has an incredible skill of, you know, throwing some supposed to be interceptions. You know, like they go in your hands and, and you just drop it. But, man, hats off to this dude, man. He has, uh, you know, closed the gap drastically uh, for a comeback player of the year. And what I was going to say also, too, is I expected these Browns to have these results but with Nick Chubb and Deshaun Watson, other guys healthy. So for them to have a guy in Joe Flacco who wasn't getting who, – who, the phone wasn't ringing for the guy, you know, to have him here. He's now, he, he's now uh, in the playoffs now, fourth straight game with 300 passing yards. In the, his five games, he's averaged 323 passing yards. Look at him dropping it in the bucket right there. He's doing the play. He's even being a little mobile. You know, he being a little he being a little old man mobile too. Uh, last night, right here. here, this is the play right here. He gets hit in the face. Quentin Williams chasing down. Here's Jerome Ford, who Matthew Berry benching his fantasy league. Dropped so, him, Lawrence. You're gonna make didn't even want him on the roster. Yeah, didn't even want him on it. And there he goes. Uh, but yeah, man, Flacco, 13 touchdown passes and four starts, man. So, you know, we talked about him on Wednesday as closing it out on the, uh, you know, on the tab against this Jets defense, man. But he, uh, I, after this, I don't know if we could keep betting against him. Yeah. Until the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, Until the playoffs. The thing with Flacco is, I think he's like the chaos agent that is a very good fit for this team because their defense is so good. You want to ride that high variance of a guy who will put up points. 
He'll also put up turnovers. And last night, it kind of gets a little bit lost in the wash that he threw a terrible pick six. He fumbled twice. and He could have thrown three or four more picks. But he is, I think he is overall, you take it all together, he is playing at a much, much higher level than anticipated. Uh, and he clearly has connections with, with all of these receivers. Yeah, so let me ask you this, Jay. Has the pendulum swung too far the other way as we sit here and celebrate Joe Flacco? And well-earned. I mean, it's one of the best stories in the NFL right now. Off the couch, a guy that really couldn't get teams to return his calls. That was. Do you think that, that here we go with some of the questionable Flacco, do you think it's starting to swing too far the other way that, I mean, he's right up against DeMar Hamlin for comeback player of the year. Is that an overcorrection at this point? I think it is. And look, there's a couple of things. One, I can't believe that wasn't picked. Uh, yeah, one is me. that with DeMar Hamlin, people are looking at his comeback player of the year case through the lens of, well, he's only played a handful of games and a handful of snaps. He hasn't produced on the field relative to these other candidates. I'm sorry, that's just the wrong lens through which to view his case. He literally died on the field, and he's come back to play the sport that killed him. Like, it's insane. It's one of the greatest comeback stories in the history of sports, and I get that he hasn't you know, he's not Kyle Hamilton out there, but the fact that he has taken a single snap, to me, that should clinch the award for him. But the thing with Flacco as well, I get that Hamlin is a strange case, and Flacco is a strange case. Let's just compare Joe Flacco to Baker Mayfield. Like, Flacco has played five games, Mayfield has played 15. Flacco has 13 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Mayfield has the same number of interceptions at eight. And he has twice his touchdowns. He has twice his wins. He can clinch the division this week. I just don't understand. I get that it's an amazing story, what Flacco has achieved for this Browns team. But like, how do you vote him over even Baker Mayfield when Mayfield has been there the whole season and played at a higher level? I would say this. We just, we're talking about the award comeback player. Like, Joe Flacco is a player. You mentioned something about DeMar Hamlin snaps, and it is an incredibly low percentage. So it's, it's more... St- like it is more story like Joe like I think the odds are how they are right now if that crazy scenario happens where the Browns end up with this one seed sure he is winning that award right and I kind of look back at Alex Smith when he came back he didn't die on the field but his leg did he came back and the team was dependent upon him for a certain amount of games, like he was their starting quarterback. So, and he had a game where he threw for threw for three hundred and ninety yards. So, um, you know, for me, looking at the odds at how they are now, I would, I would actually put something on Joe Flack. I would feel like that's the best value of the three, um, just because Baker, he's about to win the division. But it's the weakest division. Although they have separated, we like they're we couldn't figure out which NFC South team was the best. I think it's clear that it's the Bucks right now. But they they still have to win it. But if Joe Flacco gets that one seed, man, we're talking about something. I think I, if Flacco gets the one seed, then I think it's probably a different uh, scenario. But the thing is, is that they're about forty to one to get the one right. seed, yeah, and he's it, plus one hundred to think win it's the happening. award. So. I think that ultimately what it comes down... To me, Flacco is very similar to Brock Purdy's offensive rookie of the year case last year, where Purdy came in six games, Mr. Irrelevant, goes 6-0, but he didn't factor into the award because he played so few games. And I think the only way you can win this award playing five games is if he literally came back from the dead. And otherwise, I think the Flacco will just get compared to Mayfield and the other candidates like Stafford and Tua to a lesser extent, and ultimately I don't think he's going to win. Someone that would vote for him, though, is his teammate David Njoku, who had six catches for 134 yards. It felt like all of that was in the first quarter last night. 
Uh, I know Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner <laughs> covered him in the second half, and it didn't you know actually didn't happen after that. I think at the you know when you look at Njoku right now, guys, uh, this is someone who he's always had the talent. He's a first round pick. He's a great player, always fantasy relevant, but. No Mari Cooper last night. And even when Cooper plays, Flacco is keying in on Njoku and making him an even bigger part of this offense. He just looks like an absolute monster. Like, this guy is going to be, I think, a top five tight end in drafts next season. And when you think about just the dearth of elite tight ends in fantasy, Njoku has really thrust himself uh, into that conversation. Uh, And look, this Jets defense is not what the Jets defense was all season, but still the ability to do what he did bodes incredibly well. There aren't many tight ends with his ceiling. Yeah, um, last four weeks with Flacco starting, averaging 21 points per game. That's Those are unheard of numbers for tight ends in, uh, in fantasy. 100 yards in two of his last three games. So, And we, we kind of figured this would be the case without Cooper. But like you said, even with Cooper, that's their, that's been their number two guy. Good call from Matthew. He had Njoku over receiving yards as his best bet yesterday. And a great call from Jay, who had Miles Garrett to get a sack on Thursday Night Football as his best bet. Uh, Miles Garrett finishes with six quarterback pressures on top of the sack. An interesting number, not interesting, just an eye-popping number from Next Gen Stats. Miles Garrett recorded all six of his pressures against Mekhi Becton in under two and a half seconds last night. Garrett is one of two pass rushers to generate over 40 quick pressures this season. He has uh, 54. Micah Parsons is the other one with 60. We have a theme going, recapping this game, Jay, of awards being wrapped up. We talked about Stefanski, Coach of the Year. We got a little bit into the more debatable one of Comeback Player of the Year. Feels like Miles Garrett is leaning towards wrapping up Defensive Player of the Year. And we've been on this for a while. The the Micah Parsons hype over him always felt a little off base, especially factoring in the pricing that Miles Garrett had a game against the Jets offensive line left. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a bit of a strange one because Garrett, he has 14 sacks. That is not usually the same amount that a defensive player of the year edge rusher will get. But I think there is now just the acknowledgement of what he does just beyond his sack numbers, the amount of attention that he gets. What, did Beckton have four penalties last night just purely because right. he was scared of Miles Garrett? He kept trying to get off the ball early, yeah. false start after false yeah. start. And he just, was doing it more often. He, he had to. get caught yeah. sometimes. Right, yeah. 100%. Garrett's bend, the way that he was able to get Dude. so low, and Beckton just couldn't get that low. It was insane. So I think that Garrett, I don't think it's a wrap the same way that Stefanski is a wrap for coach of the year, but I do think... I think there is still some meat on the bone at minus 235. I think that should be more like minus 300, uh, minus 350. Just because if Parsons goes off tomorrow night right. and has like three mm-hmm. sacks against the Lions, then I think it's a discussion again if TJ Watt gets the 22 sacks or something. But ultimately, I think the most likely outcome is that the award was won last night. In this era, too, Lawrence, of advanced stats, and they're not that advanced, but just pressures and quarterback hits being registered just as much as sacks, I think that's where Watt has lost this case because he always has the eye-popping sack numbers, but the snap-by-snap dominance has been ruled by Garrett and, to a lesser extent, Parsons. Right, and just when you look at these sack numbers, um, like you look at a team like the Ravens who lead the league in sacks, but there's no one single pass rusher that you think like, oh, man, like it's a collective group, so it's not – really always about the numbers the Ravens don't get as much pressure as you would think from a team who leads league in sacks so talking about Miles Garrett and TJ Watt this is the year where Watt it's more just like it statistically looks good more it's like the quarterback conversation like we got Lamar at the top right now and he doesn't have 20 touchdown passes yet but there's a slew of other quarterbacks that do when you look at them play 
you you take into account the penalties you take into account how it's affecting the defense as a whole so I think that's it seemed like that's coming into play you know for more than one position and you know defensive player of the year is one of those all right, as we close out our recap here, a quick note on the Jets, because there's not a lot on the Jets in this one. How was Lost Lot? How was the ball? Oh, it was great. You know, after watching that, you get in at 3 a.m., uh, you take the dog out, you go to sleep for two hours, everything's fine. The so, problem was is that it was semi a game in the second half. No, Cleveland couldn't do anything in the second half on it, offense. It was very odd how Cleveland's defense, too, it was very jetsy of them to not be themselves against Trevor Simeon yes. for a little bit of that game yep. as well. I mean, the Abanaconda kick return fumble also yep. set it back the other way. It was a mess of a game. But in that mess of a game, guys, as we uh, give a little Jets eulogy here, Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson looking yep. good, especially Brees we Hall. Him. We love them. Uh, if you want to know where they rank for next year already, Matthew's way too early 2024 rankings are in his love-hate column from this week, guys. I think, Lawrence, you've only been on with us one other time this week, something Jay and I and Matthew have kicked around. When you look at Brees Hall going into next year, obviously Christian McCaffrey right now is in his sure. own tier in fantasy running backs. Kyron Williams has played his way there. Yeah. What we've seen from Brees Hall, without having any real quarterback or offensive line, yeah. I mean, where do you stack him up right now in redraft next year? Well, you mentioned those two guys, CMC and Kyron Williams, and Brees Hall's right there. And then after him, you'll look at some guys like Jameer Gibbs, uh, probably Rashad White there. Um, You know, Brees Hall, seeing what he's doing now with the Trevor Simeon, with the Zach Wilson, and then you just think about, because you know the quarterback's going to be Aaron Rodgers next year, right? So you take what Aaron Jones was able to do with Aaron Rodgers those Green Bay years, and they never really freed Aaron Jones. Like, Brees Hall is going to be that guy uh, just to see what he's been doing these past two weeks. Like, if, if you had him in the fantasy playoffs this year, He's part of, like, he's carrying. He, he, like, these are his best two games fantasy-wise back-to-back put together. But uh, next year, um, he could mix it up and get in there in that first-round range where those top receivers start to go, uh, like Tyreek and uh, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I'm going to make a prediction that I think McCaffrey will be the number one running back next season. But in terms of actual production, I would not write off Bijan Robinson at all. I completely agree. I think that this season has been, it's just been a weird season for Atlanta. And I think that they yeah. will figure their stuff out more. And Bijan showed against the They'll Colts what he can do. And he's going to be a monster at some point. I think there's a very good chance that's next season. Yeah. Let's jump into the Roto World player news as you get ready for championship weekend. A lot of injuries to go through, and we start with some good news, which is always nice during our Roto World player news. C.J. Stroud set to return after clearing concussion protocol. Stroud has missed the last two games. On top of that, his wide receiver, Nico Collins, and his left tackle, Laramie Tunzel, practiced in full on Thursday. Jay, this is an offense that – when they have these three guys, and it's, you know, you can't replace Tank Dell, but at least with these three guys, very viable passing attack. Absolutely. Against the Titans' defense, that shouldn't provide too much resistance. Now, this line has actually dropped from Texans minus five and a half down to Texans minus four. That has nothing to do with the offense. Texans don't have any defensive linemen practicing at the moment. They're all injured. They're all DMPs two days in a row, yeah. basically. But on offense, I think that... Uh, 
uh, backup producer Pete had a really good call that he texted me earlier. Nico Collins is set at 59 and a half yards on DraftKings. Like, that's way too long. Mm. I'm sorry. The market just doesn't adjust properly when there is a guy missing and Yusuf has to go elsewhere. And we just haven't seen that much Nico without Tank Dell with CJ Stroud. So I think Nico Collins should be a proper monster this week. Yeah, I definitely expect Nico Collins with CJ Stroud to go up from his four receptions and eight. He did score the touchdown, but. Four receptions, 18 yards. We fully expect him to uh, up those numbers a lot with C.J. Stroud back on the center. Uh, over for the Vikings, they named quarterback Jaron Hall, the rookie out of BYU, as the starter against the Packers. Meanwhile, his wide receiver, Jordan Addison, was limited in practice on Thursday as we take a look at Matthew's top 10 wide receiver ranks for Week 17. Obviously, Hall will be under center, and you might ask yourself how that impacts Justin Jefferson Hall said, I think I've gotten better in every area since I first got here, but there's obviously a lot still to prove. Justin Jefferson for Matthew still comes in as wide receiver three, only behind CeeDee Lamb and Tyreek Hill. Lawrence is a good matchup against Green Bay, especially without Chire Alexander. But how much does Jefferson become limited with the youngster under center? You know, I don't I don't think much. Because when you really think about it, you know, the Vikings, since Kirk Cousins, you had Josh Dobbs. He was okay here and there. You had Nick Mullins, who he's a little more like, I'm a go-getter with the football. But they backups, you know. Um, and now you getting Jaron Hall, another backup. Remember, this is the guy who originally was the backup for Kirk Cousins this season. That's one. Two, he's the only one out of Nick Mullins himself and Josh Dobbs who – hasn't been benched due to ineffectiveness. So small sample size, but he got off to a very good start uh, against Atlanta before he had that concussion. So not a lot of people will know him, so it'll be easier to be like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever. But this is a rookie. You lost TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison banged up. Well, who else you going to call on? It's going to be Justin Jefferson. More, he, he's definitely the most mobile of all of these quarterbacks. Not the big arm, you know, but smart decision maker. We'll see what happens. In the same game, the Packers have their own issues at wide receiver. With Christian Watson and Dontavian Wicks not practicing on Thursday. Jaden Reed was limited to looking right for Reed. And we move over to the full list of injuries we're tracking going into week 17 over the weekend. Josh Jacobs still not practicing on Thursday with that quad injury. If you've had Samir White, he's helped you out for sure. Zach Moss limited. Michael Pittman coming out of concussion protocol full. Good sign on Pittman. Trevor Lawrence with the shoulder did not practice on Thursday. Zay Jones was limited in practice. Cole Komet dealing with the knee. Kyler Murray and Zeke Elliott both are seeing a lot of illness during flu season on the injury reports right now. Kyler Murray has missed the last couple days. Zeke, I'm sure he'll get ready to play in time, but obviously a little concerning on a Thursday status. Juju Smith-Schuster didn't practice with the ankle. Jay, with Trevor Lawrence on that list not practicing Thursday with a shoulder injury, one of many injuries he's had this year, where does your trust go with Calvin Ridley and Travis Etienne, whether Lawrence plays or not? Yeah, it's an interesting one because uh, Doug Peterson said that Lawrence was going to get in a limited practice. Then he didn't. Right. He didn't practice. So well, that's you a bad sign. the show saying that. Yes. So that's a bad sign to start. The line has also dropped from Jags minus eight to Jags minus six against the Panthers. In terms of Calvin Ridley, uh, I don't feel... I mean, the thing is, is this offense has been bad anyway with Lawrence banged up. So I think that Ridley will take a hit without Trevor Lawrence, but I don't think it's uh, complete 
curtains for him if it is CJ Beathard at quarterback. Because Beathard, I mean, he's not the most inspiring quarterback in the world, but he did play okay against the Bengals when he got in there. And also with Travis Etienne, I don't think this really hurts his value that much because the Panthers have a terrible run defense. Uh, and I think that the Jags would lean on the run more than ever, lean on these Brees Hall type of Simeon dump-off passes to ETN as well. So I don't think ETN moves around so much, Lawrence. Yeah, uh, Travis ETN, like you said, I think that I think it hurts more for Calvin Ridley because we, we've seen long stretches with Ridley, even with Trevor Lawrence, where it wasn't good. But when you get in these situations, just from a football perspective, you definitely want to lean on the run game. And, Travis Etienne is he's the top five running back in fantasy this year. It just don't really seem like it, right. but you know he is. I, I do want to ask y'all this. Uh, you talked about that line going down from Jags my, uh, minus eight to now minus six. The Panthers, they just took it to Green Bay, uh, didn't pull out the win, but Bryce Young playing the best game yeah. of his young career. Being a touchdown underdog, are these Panthers live for the upset? I think they are, but interested for your thoughts, Connor, on Bryce Young. Do you think that was just a product of the Green Bay defense, which has been poor, or do you think he made tangible improvement? If you look at Joe Barry's lack of success against underachieving and just poor <laughs> quarterbacks this year, there is a Tommy track DeVito? record yeah. there. It's, it's a long list. Yeah. It's really insane. Yeah, it feels, Tommy DeVito got busy. <laughs> right. It feels like his defense is not – it hasn't stopped much of anyone. Packers fans, he's like public enemy number one. Yeah. But I think to Bryce's credit, he played fast, confident, and accurate, right. and – Maybe there's something going now without Frank Reich's staff there that they're trying some new wrinkles or maybe just a new confidence with him having a different voice in the room. I, I think he looked the closest to Alabama Bryce for Young sure, that we've seen sure. in his yeah. NFL career. Yeah. And it makes you wonder if they actually build some skill players around him in an offensive line. He's going to be fine for all the overreactions we had to deal with. Yep, and if it is CJ, like I don't think the CJ Beathard Jags should be 6.5 That's over anyone. To be honest, I think that line will drop if it is right. Lawrence that goes. But no, I think the Panthers, particularly with the way they're playing on defense at the moment, uh, and it wasn't amazing against the Packers, but they have been improved, particularly in the secondary. I think they're live to win that game for sure. Let's get to the rest of the injuries we're tracking. Debo Samuel was limited on Thursday with a neck injury. Brian Robinson was limited coming off of this long hamstring injury. Jamar Chase with the shoulder was limited. That's really interesting with Chase. We didn't know if this could be an extended absence for him, so keep an eye on him today. Isaiah Pacheco with a concussion and shoulder did not practice. Kenny Pickett was back with the ankle injury he's dealt with for a couple weeks. Najee Harris with the knee was limited after missing practice the day before. Kenneth Walker dealing with a shoulder injury and illness didn't practice. DK Metcalf with a back injury didn't practice. Cortland Sutton in concussion protocol. No practice for him. And Keenan Allen continues to deal with a heel injury that keeps him out of practice. Lawrence, when you look at Sutton in concussion protocol not practicing Thursday, what is this Broncos offense with Jarrett Stidham, not Russell Wilson under center? Yeah, when you throw a backup quarterback in there, you want to have – it's ideal to have the top receiver right. in there. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a nice matchup uh, for the Broncos going against the charge defense, although – the Chargers defense has played a little better lately outside of that Raiders game. Um, uh, so e even with the even with Sutton, you know, possibly not playing, like you want to have a practice uh, this late in the week uh, for your star receiver. But it's definitely going to be interesting to see uh, Jared Stidham or what Jerry Judy could possibly do. But he's Jerry Judy has had games without Sutton as well, and that hasn't amounted to much. We just talked about leaning on the run game in these situations, but Javante Williams and, you know, uh, McLaughlin, they're really not 
they're not those type of running. They're not on the level of an ETN. So it'll be interesting. It will be tough because although the Chargers don't have that great of a defense, they have playmakers on that side of the ball. And the offense as a whole has just been stagnant. It seems like they calling three plays. So I don't know if Sean Payne was doing that on purpose for Russell, but we'll see what it's like uh, this week. Yeah, Stidham had some moments in his brief cameo last season. He can move the ball, but ultimately I think the only Broncos player you'd feel good about starting is Javante Williams, who, and even then you don't feel amazing about it, but on DraftKings he's set at 58 and a half rushing yards, plus 120 anytime touchdown. So from that, I mean, that's 15 yards higher than Brees Hall was set last night in terms of his rushing yards and maybe a 40% chance of a touchdown. Stidham's last couple games at the end of last year parlayed him into a nice backup quarterback contract. Yeah. I mean, he got a two-year deal worth pretty good Lit money. Lit up the Niners. Yeah. One bit of news here while we've been on air. Jalen Waddell officially ruled out with that high ankle. I felt like the Dolphins were playing a little coy this week. We didn't think Waddle would play. Yeah. He's been officially ruled out. We will get to the Dolphins much more for what's on tap, so stick with us. But before we get there... As he always does on Friday, Denny Carter joins us for the regression files. And as we always do before we welcome Denny on, we take a look at what he's been up to this week. Always something special. I've been looking at the holes in my socks for a while um, in multiple pairs, right? And I'm talking about significant holes, not, not just a little threadbare. I'm talking about holes, okay? And I'm thinking, I need new socks, but I know Christmas is coming up. I'm looking at this, you know, in October, November. So I'm like, I'm not buying them. I'm not buying them. I know Santa will come through. Santa came through. He got me a lot, a lot of socks. I don't mean a, a normal amount. I mean a total retooling wow. of the sock situation. Wow. Also, you know, the underwear that I've been wearing for God knows how long, that's out the door. Wow. And we have slightly larger underwear for a 40-year-old <laughs> me. So that, that's, that's, wow. that's, that's, that's fine. Amazing. I appreciate it. Thank you, Santa. Shout out to Santa. Denny, are things okay? Well, so, <laughs> we, so you got... We love Santa. You got holes in your underwear? Yeah, no, no, no. Just uh, uh, they they may have been too small. Is is all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, you you, you have you know you you, you have kids and and you turn forty. Suddenly they're too small. I don't know what happened, guys. I don't know what we're looking into that. Ah, uh, terrifying. <laughs> All right, yeah, always... I ain't talking about Denny's holy socks no more. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's really, and I say this in all seriousness, Denny. It's it's a good day for Matthew to be out celebrating his birthday. I really, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I didn't anticipate going on TV and, and talking about my underwear, but here we are. And that's yeah, okay. you, you never know what backup producer Pete's gonna cook up. He's very gar- <laughs> he's very Gardner Minshew, Josh Dobbs in that backup way that he could go out there. Throw three miraculous touchdowns, or he could go out there, and you're like, "Oh boy, yes. we're in for scoreless against the Raiders." Yeah, yeah. yeah. why is it zero zero <laughs> going into the fourth quarter? We don't know. All right, <laughs> Denny, you always join us on Friday for the regression files. Players who are overproducing or underproducing, of course, based on their workload, playing time, and opportunity. If you want to read the full article, go to NBCSports.com. Let's start on a positive note to kick off this Friday, Denny. Yeah, look, I've had uh, I've had Joe Mixon in the regression files and the positive section a few times this year. Uh, folks, he's back in there, and uh, it's because he's run pretty cold in the green zone inside the 10-yard line. Uh, I know Chase Brown has made some explosive plays, some splashy plays. Very fast guy, electric guy. I'm going to draft him in every best ball team uh, this uh, offseason. You, bet, you better bet that. But uh, uh, Joe Mixon is still the guy in the red zone. That's important. Uh, he's only scored on five of 16 carries inside the 10, um, and uh, he has – not scored on his past six carries inside the 10 
I think that the Bengals are going to try to be run heavy this week. They tried to do that uh, last week. That means they lean on Joe Mixon. Uh, I think that you can start him with with some confidence this week that he'll get into the end zone. Yep, I agree with you there, Denny. Uh, in a matchup that perhaps isn't as frightening uh, as it might have been with the Chiefs and their struggling run defense and also just missing a ton of players at practice this week too. Uh, Denny, on the negative side, interested for your thoughts on George Pickens who went uh, 4 for 195 uh, against uh, the Bengals. Do you think that his uh, 48.8 yards per reception number is sustainable? Got to be. You good. know, I don't. You know, we, we've looked into this, my, me and my interns, and we said, no, he, 48 yards a catch, this can't continue, okay? So we, we've, we've taken a hard stance on that. Yeah, I mean, you, you knew this was coming because we don't like fun. We don't like big games here at Regression Files. Uh, George Pickens did all his damage last week on only six targets, guys, okay? So, you know, if you just take that into account, you know that this probably can't last. The problem with Pickens' fantasy profile is that he doesn't get the layups. And by that, I mean he doesn't get those six, eight, ten yard receptions that can kind of smooth over an otherwise volatile performance. It's he's a boom or bust wide receiver three. Last week he boomed. I don't think that that continues going forward. Mason Rudolph made a couple good throws and good for Mason Rudolph, you know? Hey, he's now instantly better than Kenny Pickett, as is everybody else who starts for the Steelers. And uh, so I, I, but I just don't think that you can plug in Pickens as like a guaranteed wide receiver two or three. All right, Denny. Well, as we have uh, some extra time here on this Friday, we usually just do the regression files. But how about the funnel defense report as well? Yeah. Basically, some defenses that could put a team into a pass-happy script or a run-happy script. We start with the Cardinals' run defense. And one note on the Cardinals why we're taping, Hollywood Brown has officially been put on IR. But what does the Cardinals' run defense mean for DeAndre Swift going into championship weekend? Yeah, so like with the funnel defense report, I try to focus on uh, teams uh, that have been particularly exploited via the run game or the passing attack. Uh, the Cardinals, especially over the past month, uh, just have been brutalized on the ground. We saw the Chicago Bears last week go for over 230 rushing yards on the strength of Khalil Herbert, a little bit of Roshan Johnson, a little bit of Justin, a lot of Justin Fields, actually. Uh, and I think that we're going to see a similar approach from the Eagles this week as their, as their fans beg them to establish the run, to run it like it's 1967. You know, they're, I think they're going to oblige. Uh, and I think that's great for DeAndre Swift. You know, DeAndre Swift is handling about 70% uh, of the carries in that backfield over the past five weeks. Um, I could see him getting 20 touches pretty easily here, uh, barring some sort of weird game script. Um, and uh, you know what? I think that he's going to find the end zone. I think that force field around the end zone that has stopped him uh, in, in throughout the season, really, I think that force field is going to come down this week. He's going to get in. Yeah, uh, Denny, I'm definitely with you there on DeAndre Swift. I actually got... Uh, DeAndre Swift in my uh, Optimal Flex Plays article this week. Uh, but like you said, uh, Arizona here has allowed 100 yards to running backs in six yeah. straight games. So, I mean, if you if you have a running back and it doesn't matter how you feel about them, if they're playing against the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, you let him go off. Arizona's allowed the fourth most rushing touchdowns to running backs to uh, this season. So, DeAndre Swift fall into that end zone young man please 
All right, moving over to a pass defense. How about New England, Denny? It feels like their run defense has gotten lost in the shuffle because of many reasons. One, Bailey Zappi taking over for Mac Jones, maybe the end of the Belichick era, and, of course, right. all the losses New England has dealt with. But as we talk about on the show week after week for it feels like six to seven weeks now, their run defense has been so dominant. Is that going to force Josh Allen and the Bills to go very, very pass-happy in Joe Brady's offense against New England? Uh, I believe so. And I wrote I wrote it up in the article, all the boring, nerdy details, if you want to check that out. But basically, it comes down to this, okay? The Bills have been operating basically like the Falcons, or even more conservatively than the Falcons on offense over the past two weeks. We're talking about like a 33% dropback rate for Josh Allen, which is absurd. The last time these teams played, uh, Josh Allen dropped back 47 times. He threw 41 passes, 12 of those were to Stefan Diggs, okay? And would Stefan Diggs managers like to see a dozen targets this week? I believe so, to get their guy out of a funk. I do I do think that it's a quietly good spot for this uh, Buffalo passing offense, and I don't think that they're going to be able to just take the air out of the ball like they have over the past two games. You can catch Denny for his live fantasy football Q&A right after happy hour at 1 p.m. Eastern time on the NFL on NBC YouTube channel. Listen, Denny, it's New Year's weekend. Go enjoy those new socks and underwear, all right? Oh, I will. Thank you, Denny. You better, you better bet it. Take care of the socks. See you, Denny. See ya. All right, guys, we will take our first break here. And when we're back, we're looking at the games with the highest point totals and what's on tap at the Bud Light Bar right after this. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Interested in betting the games this weekend and want a little more insight? Jay and Drew Dinzik have you covered with Bet the Edge, with new episodes dropping every weekday at 6 a.m. Eastern. Jay, what did you guys cover in today's episode? Talked a lot of uh, talked MVP market, which I think is really fascinating at the moment and why I think Josh Allen uh, is a viable bet. And then we covered some games including uh, Raiders Colts, Chiefs Bengals, and Sunday Night Football Packers Vikings and uh, what the plays might be in those games, Connor. All right, every weekday, 6 a.m., if you got to get up and commute somewhere, fire up Bet the Edge. Let's jump into what's on tap, of course, brought to you 
by Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the NFL. Nothing is as easy to enjoy as a Sunday full of football and a fridge full of beer. Here's the games we're keying in on with the highest point totals of the weekend. And we start with Lions at Cowboys. The Cowboys favored now by five and a half. The over-under for this game, Lawrence, set at 52. And largely that's because the Cowboys are averaging 40 points per game at home this season. That's the best in the NFL. But on the Lions side, does this game environment make Jared Goff an appealing play this week, of course, indoors? Yeah, definitely. And you look at that game total of 52 there, by far the largest of uh, Week 17 here. You've got Jared Goff in that dome. That's what's key here. He averages uh, 19.4 fantasy points per game indoors, 260 yards at least in three of his past five games. And this is a big game for both of these teams, right? So I expect it to be a back and forth, a shootout, you know, passes galore. Both quarterbacks go for 275, I say, at the very least. So, yeah, I believe Jared Goff, he he will make do in this game versus the Cowboys. Yeah, we think about the Cowboys' defense as this really imposing unit, but it just hasn't been for the past month or so. They've really struggled. I think the absence of Trayvon Diggs is starting to show itself more. Yep. Now, I think the Cowboys will struggle more against the run, and that's how you've been able to exploit the Cowboys' defense recently. And there's perhaps no better team in the NFL to do that than the Lions. But I think with Goff, like, if they're able to protect against Micah Parsons, then you can throw on this defense. And Indeed. I think that the Lions might have the best offensive line of football outside of the Eagles. So I think that they will keep Goff safe, and this is going to be a, a shootout. Jay, what do you think of this line dropping a little bit? It's dropped about a point or half a point, but the Cowboys' dominance at home. Lions are a great team. There's yeah. no denying that. They could be the one seed, but the Cowboys' dominance at home is why it launched so heavy towards them. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think four and a half, five, that's about right, just because of the struggles that the Cowboys have had on defense. They and we talked about this the other day, but like they really miss Jonathan Hankins, and that's yeah. a problem. If you're missing Jonathan Hankins this much, that's a problem for your defense. Yeah. And I think that the, the Cowboys, they will be able to score at will on the Lions, but I think the Lions, this is a good matchup for them just because of how effectively they can run the ball. Our, our next highest total is the 49ers traveling to play the Commanders. The Niners are 12.5-point favorites in this one. The over-under set at 50, another big point total here, Lawrence. And a new quarterback will be under center for Washington in Jacoby Brissett, which more importantly, fantasy-wise, does that change things for Terry McLaurin? I think it does, and I think it changes it for the better. We've seen what Terry McLaurin has been able to do the past two weeks when Jacoby Brissett is entered. It's been scary hours the whole season for Terry McLaurin. Uh, But them being 12.5-point underdogs, they should have to throw. We saw the 49ers stump out the Eagles, but yet A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts all had nice fantasy days because they had to come from behind. So, you know, McLaurin with Jacoby Brissett this season is five targets, four receptions, 122 yards in the TD, almost two TDs. He got stopped uh, right at the goal line before one, but I expect Jacoby Brissett to play his type of football. He plays that YOLO football. He going to get that ball and push it down the field. So I think it'll be better for him per se. A guy like Curtis Samuel, it'll maybe lessen in his favor. But for their top guy, Scary Terry, it's going to be up for him. Jay, the 49ers coming off an embarrassing loss. There's no way around it. Is this kind of one of those response games where you could see them just running it up 40 and above? Absolutely. This is the type of game where Christian McCaffrey has 150 yards and three touchdowns and just goes absolutely off. But uh, I do think that this is... 
this is a defense in San Francisco that just hasn't really touched the heights of when they came out of their bye and they just absolutely destroyed Jacksonville and then Tampa Bay uh, and teams of this ilk and they really shut down the Eagles even though there was garbage time at the end but I mean the thing with Baltimore is that their passing offense hasn't been great this year and Lamar Jackson did whatever he wanted in that second half so I think it's a problem that Eric Armstead has been out they've yes. been a different defense without him he's still not practicing so I do think this 49ers team is vulnerable and that's why the total is so high because look, it's not going to be like a blow for blow shootout I don't think but I do think the commanders will be able to move the ball if you could protect against them you got a shot definitely to get something done through the air another game with a high total the Dolphins at Baltimore of course the Ravens favored by three and a half points in this one expect to be one of the better games of the week uh, the point total is at 47 here and Jay I think the question is with Jalen Waddle ruled out who steps up for Miami yeah, well, I mean, the easy answer is Tyreek Hill, who Matthew has ranked as wide receiver too. I think that is justified. Think back to the early season matchup between these two teams last year where Tyreek Hill did whatever he wanted against the Ravens secondary. Now, this is a much improved Ravens defense. I don't think Tyreek is going to have that type of freedom, but you would expect that he gets absolutely peppered with targets. But honestly, the two guys who I think benefit the most are Raheem Mostert and Devin Achan because this Ravens defense, and we've spoken about this, but... They look like an amazing run defense because they don't give up that many rushing yards, but they don't give up many rushing yards because teams are never in game scripts where they can run the ball because they're always losing by a lot because the Ravens are so good. But in terms of an efficiency basis, you can run the ball on Baltimore. I think that's how Miami will want to play this game. That's why I kind of like the under in this one too. Also too, I like the under as well. Also too, with that Ravens defense, I mentioned earlier how they lead the league in sacks. That too will you know keep a team from running the ball when you're in third and long all the time. Also... Um, if you're in, you know, if you're in dire straits, you're in need. Cedric Wilson will probably be the next uh, receiver to step up. The last two games he's played in 77 and 62 percent of the snaps. So as far as receivers goes, like that'll be the next guy. But yeah, I mean that's like if you're like truly struggling. But I think it's going to be tough for this uh, Miami offense because, like you say. Last year, and that was early last year, yep. they played them much different in the front seven for the Ravens this year. Yep, no Roquan Smith. No from Roquan memory Smith, that and that game. was Kyle Hamilton's second game. Yeah, he's a different player now, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, Cedric Wilson, who Matthew dropped Jerome Ford for, so expecting. So he uh, better go off. Minimum <laughs> 118 yards. Two and catches, two 12 yards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. that's going to be very yeah, interesting. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for What's on Tap, presented by Bud Light, Easy to Sunday easy to enjoy we are taking one more break but when we're back Lawrence and Jay have pickup lines for me their best bets going into the weekend right after this want to make mom's day get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day which is Sunday May 12th find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack fragrance jewelry luxury bags activewear beauty and more Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. 
Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code BERRY when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. It is time for last call here, fellas. Let's get into some pickup lines where, finally, I just get to put my feet up and not have to come up with any. Jay, what do you got for me? Yep. Your hair looks fantastic. Thank you. Hey, good start. Uh, Sticky slick yeah, there. S- somebody with uh, hair getting pickup lines for once. Yeah, wow. Very good. On his yes. birthday, too. Yep. Good shot. Yeah. Uh, Happy my, 100th birthday. My pickup line is uh, it's the same one I used last week, or it was <laughs> the Thursday night pick last week. Chris Olave to go for 120-plus receiving yards is plus 600. This just is not It's not right. It's not correct. Because Olave, here is what he has done in his last four healthy games. 94 yards, 114, 119, 123. I just don't think that the market is accounting for, one, just the, the pass funnel that the Tampa Bay defense is, where they just cannot stop anyone through the air all season. Uh, their run defense is excellent. There's no Shaq Barrett. There's no Carlton Davis of practice this week. I think they're really going to struggle to contain Derek Carr through the air. And I just think that with Olave in particular, his player type is just conducive to just these alternate, big alternates because of how many deep receptions that he gets. It's the same with Rashid Shaheed. Uh, where he's another guy who can just go 50 yards over his prop line. You compare that to a guy like Chris Godwin, for instance. Like Chris Godwin just doesn't have as much variance. He doesn't get as many deep targets. So I don't think the market is pricing in Olave's variance enough. I don't think the market is accounting for the amount of targets that he'll get against his pass funnel defense. I think Olave goes for 120 plus at plus 600. Okay. Lawrence? Those are some gaudy numbers uh, Chris Olave has had recently. And Jay already talked about your hair, so I won't steal that one. But hey, nice shirt. Thanks. Yeah, Connor. Thank you. Know, you. Nice little watch you got yeah, there. Thank you. And, uh, this is, you I know, like this uh, segment. Hey, yeah, so there you go. Um, <laughs> Rasheed Rice, come to the altar, please. Uh, help me out here. Uh, I'm going to go alt-line for Rasheed Rice. <laughs> Uh, Rasheed Rice, my man. Rasheed Rice for the the struggling Chiefs offense. You know, I'm going to go alt line, 100 yards at plus 330 right now. He hasn't had 100 yards in his last five games, however. He's averaged 10 targets in those five games. Like, there's nobody else. As bad as the Kansas City offense played last week, Rasheed Rice still had his 12 targets. Cincinnati here, bottom five pass defense. We talked about George Pickens earlier. Look what he did to the Bengals last week. Four for 195, two touchdowns. The week before that, Justin Jefferson, seven for 84. Jordan Addison, six for 111 and two touchdowns. So the, the Bengals... The Bengals defense, they just getting lit up, my man. Even go back a week, Pittman had himself 95 yards. So, Connor, I beggeth you here today. <laughs> Take these 100 Rasheed Rice receiving. Y'all about to say receiving yards. Receiving Rice yards. That's good. There, there we go. go. Right? Okay. At plus 330, that's my take. These are awesome, really fun receiving props to ladder bet. All the way you showed from about 63 for each of them, all the way to the 100, 120 for UJ. I Listen, history is on Alave's side, and you've hit big on this. I think you've hit our biggest show bet we've ever had with Alave's all, or at least one of the biggest we've ever had. It all comes down to this for me. Do I put my faith in Patrick Mahomes, which the Chiefs offense looks broken right now, Yes. or my faith in Derek Carr, who I quite frankly wouldn't trust to walk my dog if I asked him to. <laughs> Arguably he's had the better career than Mahomes, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
When you this factor in Super crazy Bowls to and me. <laughs> I'm going to go with Rasheed Rice. He's due for the 100-yard game, although, Jay, I like the better odds there. Lawrence, you in this one for pickup lines. Keep an eye on both of these this week. If you want to have some fun, these are huge odds. Place a bet on each yeah. of these. That's Do it for both. us. Yep. For Lawrence, for Jay, a happy birthday to Matthew. I'm Connor. Watch fantasy football pregame on Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern with these guys. Good luck in your fantasy championships. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.